Welcome to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. Our study this time is found in Luke chapter 18. We're going to meet two men. In some respects, they were very much the same, yet in their attitude and character, very different, and that's reflected in their practice of prayer. Luke 18, 9 through 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In verse 9, as this parable is introduced, the target audience is identified. It says that Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others, or treated others with contempt. This doesn't mean these are the only people who can benefit from this teaching, but it seems the point of this parable was and is especially needed by people who trust in themselves that they are righteous and who despise others. It occurs to me these two things often go together, self-trust and despising others, or in the English Standard Version, treating others with contempt. We know there are people who claim to be religious. They do religious things. They appear to be religious, but their religion is built on self-trust. They are very proud of their record of obedience, and they have developed a confidence in themselves that supersedes their confidence in God. They are usually careful observers of the outward forms of religion, but without genuine devotion to God in their hearts. Their attitude isn't, thank God for His grace that saved a wretch like me, No, their attitude is, God must be very happy to have a good child like me. These are the people who are puffed up by their own false confidence. They exalt themselves above others, and they think more about themselves than they do the Lord. They trust in themselves that they are righteous. This is the fatal error of supposing we have placed God in our debt, that God owes us salvation on the basis of our grand performance. Now, 
an outgrowth or product of this attitude is despising others, treating others with contempt. If I'm self-righteous, if I trust in myself and think more highly of myself than I should, I'll be predisposed to set others at naught or despise others. My attitude will be, I know more than you, I live better than you, I am better than you. A proud, selfish arrogance within my heart will develop into an impatient, unsympathetic, and arrogant attitude toward others. These things all go together, and they are linked together in Luke 18.9. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. As verse 10 begins, two men are introduced, and if we'll spend a little time getting to know these men, that will help us learn what we need to learn. First, the Pharisee. The Pharisee belonged to the elite religious class, the aristocracy of his time, a member of the ruling class among the Jews, religious leaders. The Pharisees specialized in looking religious. They were concerned about their image. They claimed that they were religious. They wanted to be seen doing certain religious things. They conformed to certain external rituals and traditions. And they scrupulously adhered to standards they originated. The Lord did not overlook the sins commonly committed by the Pharisees, and he had a perfect insight into the attitudes behind those sins. In the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus exposed their wickedness, sin by sin. Notice just three things he said about them. Pride was a characteristic of these men. They loved the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. That's in Matthew 23, verses 6 and 7. Jesus says they were pretentious in Matthew 23, 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. In verse 28 of Matthew 23, they were preoccupied with performance. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The other man is called a publican, or in many translations, a tax collector. Publicans were not able to win any popularity contest in the Jewish community. The publicans were the tax collectors, particularly odious to the Jews. I think for two reasons. One, they were willing agents of the Roman government. Two, many tax collectors were dishonest. And so the very name publican passed into popular vocabulary as a designation for one who was hated and despised. So two men are introduced here. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican or tax collector. Our next stop in this passage is to consider the prayers of these two men. First, the Pharisee. It says, He stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Let me read that from the English Standard Version. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I believe we should see the significance of this where it says he stood and prayed thus with himself. Prayer, by biblical definition, is communicating to God. But this man was speaking or praying with himself. This wasn't really the communication of the heart to God. This was a self-gratified recital of his own perceived piety. If he speaks to God at all, he is asking God to join him in admiration of his virtues, the things he was doing, neglected by others, he thought. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. So we should acknowledge if he was telling the truth about avoiding these sins, certainly that was good. Extortion is wrong, and we shouldn't have any part of it. Injustice should be avoided. Adultery is a sin against God that violates the promises of marriage. So if, if he had avoided these sins, that's good. But think about this. If he avoided those sins, how was he able to avoid them? By what power did he escape these offenses? The power of God in his word and all the good influences God brings into our lives. Hence, there is no grounds for boasting about ourselves even if we refrain from these sins. Ultimately, God deserves the glory and the honor. But this man stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Here's another thought. Being better than other people should not be our primary goal. If your motivation is to be better than other people, that's the application of a human standard. You just observe how others are living and you rise just a little above their level? No, the better motivation is to observe God's standard and seek to please Him. Again, Doing better than others and boasting of your performance isn't the essence of serving God. He, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. And then he tells what he thought he was doing that was so great. The prayer of this Pharisee was a monologue. 
acknowledging no need, seeking no blessing, confessing no lack, admitting no sin, and beseeching no mercy. It was a cold and formal recital. Cold, someone said, as an icicle. He told God about his own virtues. He compared himself to others and announced his goodness. And he cast an insult in the direction of the publican. Next, the tax collector. It says he stood afar off. He would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It says in the English Standard Version, standing far off, he would not lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and ask God for mercy as a sinner. It may be significant that the Pharisee stood or prayed with himself, but the publican, the tax collector, stood far off. Those who study the original language may help us understand this. It is explained that the word stood, as applied to the Pharisee, means he struck a pose. This may suggest a posture reflecting arrogance, or he assumed an attitude or stance where he would be seen. One historian said, this is from pulpit commentary, one historian said, in the inner court, the Pharisee stands erect. He arranges his prayer robe. He looks around, the face darkened by a scowl as he observes the publican over in the corner. Then he lifts his eyes to heaven and he prays aloud in trembling, pious tones, a self-gratifying recital of his own piety. That's from pulpit commentary. But the publican was standing far off. It is surely significant that this publican would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He takes his place, not to be seen by men, but to be heard by God and to be able to concentrate on his thoughts. He's not willing, does not feel worthy to lift his face or eyes toward heaven. He has no wish to assert or exalt himself. He is bowed. And notice, he does not claim anything for himself. Self-assertion in every form is absent from his heart and his words. Here is a man aware of the holiness and power of God, and his attitude is, let all the earth keep silent before him. He will not even lift up his eyes. At this time in his life, he can only say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He beats his breast and cried out only to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here was a man overpowered by the conviction of sin, and he owned his sin, and he acknowledged the holiness of God, and his only refuge is the mercy of God of the eternal Father. I tell you, Christ concludes this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This is the Lord's conclusion. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be abased, 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What does this parable teach us? I want to make these points. It is a bold exposure of spiritual pride in its root and fruit. If my mind is occupied by thoughts of myself, not God, if I constantly look to myself, not God, if I have a sense of my own superiority and sovereignty, not God's, I obviously have that evil pride that's rooted in selfishness and that bears all kinds of ugly fruit. This Pharisee trusted in himself that he was righteous, and this pride engendered an ugly contempt toward his fellow man. Let us beware of this selfish pride. Let us use the Word of God to search our hearts carefully for any evidence of a self-satisfied, self-elevating religion like the Pharisees had. Pride, Psalms 10 verse 4 says, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Furthermore, this teaching is a grand commendation of humility in its essential nature and expression. Humility is that attitude that results when we see ourselves as God sees us. Now, we cannot literally do that, but if we begin with a consciousness and awareness of God's holiness, and we are serious in using His Word to examine ourselves, we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. And that results in this attitude humility. The Pharisee did not see himself as God saw him. The Pharisee evaluated himself by the human standards advocated by his party, and this was the basis of his confidence. He was doing what was required by the religious party he belonged to. The publican, the tax collector, felt God in his heart, and that inner awareness of God in his heart awakened him to a consciousness of his unworthy condition and his need for mercy. So his cry was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This cry for mercy should be pulsating through every prayer, and this simple appeal for mercy is a product of humility. Humility. Men need eternally to be reminded that Jesus was born in a stable, not in a palace. His apostles were fishermen, not Pharisees. It was the common people who heard him, not the leaders. He preached not from a throne of glory or ivory, but from the hillside and a fisherman's boat. And Jesus said, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Humility. Psalms 10:17 Lord you have heard the desire of the humble you will prepare their heart you will cause your ear to hear it was written one time many years before the publican and the pharisee to the jewish people if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. God to his people, the Jewish nation. This parable is a revelation of how ugly and empty self-righteousness is. All have sinned, so nobody has any legitimate claim to self-righteousness. None are righteous. All have sinned. And Isaiah said, all human-based righteousness is like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. This parable is a statement of of some of the vital things we need to remember about prayer. Two things quickly. A short prayer is not necessarily inferior to a long one. The value of a prayer, the effectiveness of a prayer cannot be measured by how long it is. In this case, here in Luke 18, the shorter prayer was the acceptable petition. Secondly, this teaches us something about the direction of prayers. Prayers should be directed not to ourselves nor an audience, but to God. This is something men need to bear in mind who lead in public prayer. Your function is to lead the people in prayer to God. So an audience is listening and participating, but we're not praying to an audience. We are praying to God. The publican did that. The tax collector called the publican did that, and God received him, accounted him righteous to the extent that was possible under the law. All the pompous language of the Pharisee amounted to nothing before God. His prayer was not merely useless and futile, but was an affront to God. The prayer offered in true faith and humility, pleading for the mercy of God, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified. Before we close, I want you to listen again. Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We hope this study has helped you in your relationship with God. Thank you.